Uh, I have never been in the hot seat before, and it's already getting warm over here. <laughs> okay, good. Are you up for the challenge? Welcome to the 41st episode of the 313 Challenge. I'm your host, Ryan Fullen, and I'm here to challenge you to keep things simple and powerful. Can you boil down your messaging to three sentences? How about down to one sentence? And ultimately, do you think you can do it in just three words? This is what I've challenged people just like you to do throughout my career as a speaker and a consultant around the world. And now I brought the 313 Challenge from the stage to the studio. This week's guest in the hot seat is Diana Wilson. We talked about how to create an online course, how to tackle overwhelm, and Diana's heartfelt stories from serving in the Army. Are you ready? Let's go. Diana, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Well, good, good. Fine is good in a world that is sort of always... Uh, surprising us with a bit of uncertainty. But what I am certain about is that no matter how much uncertainty there is, it's always important to revisit and challenge yourself with the way that you communicate what you do. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, I always like to get to know my guests a little more. And let's do that with an exercise in storytelling. If I had to ask you, for one particular individual story from your life. And if that was on its own, a good representation of kind of who you are as a person, what would that story be? Well, Ryan, one thing that represents me is service. Service is in my blood. I have held many different positions in my life where I have helped others. When I was in the army, I was a medic. And I ended up being stationed at a hospital where I primarily worked with patients that were terminal. The things that I did on a daily basis to help them improve their life was to focus on their quality of life. But I do remember one time in particular that really stands out. There was an elderly gentleman that had been sick for quite a while and was a frequent patient on the ward. I got to know him pretty well. And one morning when I went in making my rounds, I could tell something was a little different. He looked a little scared and frail. And he said that he knew his time was coming and would I sit with him? Hmm. So I called up another medic to take my rounds and I pulled up a chair beside him. I sat with him. I spoke with him. I held his hand and I stayed with him until he passed. He had no family, anyone to be there with him during his last hours. To be asked to be that person to spend the final hours with was a, truly an honor. To make sure he did not feel alone, to comfort him, and just be there for him during that special time. There is not a day that goes by that I don't think of him and many other people who I've helped or I've saved in some way. So being of service to others is truly something that is a great reward in my life. Wow. That's, uh, you know, when you hear a story like that, you definitely get a bit introspective and think of situations and people in your life and loved ones and even people that you just don't know and, and understanding that, you know, with each day, not only are new people brought in, but those residents who've been here for a while sometimes check out, but uh, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a powerful sort of vision and powerful moment. It's in your blood, the service. So yes. were your parents also like, obviously your blood is from your parents. So tell me a little bit more about your parents. Are they super service oriented as well? Actually, my parents were just the opposite. And I come from, I come from a difficult background. Let's just say that. Okay. And so service is something that just was natural to me. As I was growing up, I was always trying to help people. I pulled over my car one time to rescue a skunk on the road that had its leg run over. I mean, 
saving things is what I love to do. I put the car in my, the skunk in my brand new car. And yeah, I, I, <laughs> that was interesting, but it's just something that I instinctively do it. I jumped in a pool and saved a life. I've done many things like that where I saved people's life. I gave a dog CPR one time and saved its life. So it's instinctual <laughs> to me. Wow. Uh, it is it is uh, amazing to see the breadth and width of your service in what would maybe be unconventional ways for a normal person to think of as serving. And I think that's great. But at the end of the day, serving is serving, whether it's a stinky skunk with a broken foot or a dog that needs some respiratory help. That says a lot about you. And the one thing I, I can't help but think about is that service really at its root is solving a problem. You know, the yes. gentleman who you were with, the problem that he had in the last moments of his life was the fear of being alone and not having that person. And I'm sure the skunk was scared. I'm sure the dog was scared. And, you know, within that fear lies some sort of problem. So it seems pretty natural that your service would translate into a service-based business, especially if that's what kind of you're into. So just a yes or no question, is your business service-based? Yes. Okay. I would assume that. It was a set you up for that one. Okay. Well, uh, as we move closer to the meat and potatoes, since we have a good idea of the kind of person that you are, I have two questions. One is the idea around people and what they care about. So I believe, and the 313 as a, as a methodology is really based on the premise that I believe people care more about the problem that you solve as opposed to caring about what you do. And a disclaimer, this is not about not caring. It's just this idea that I believe inherently we're selfish, not in a bad way, but in a good way, because we want to have the problems that we have solved. So inherently, I believe and, and personally, I'm more interested in the problems people solve than physically what they do, because you can do so many different things to solve one problem and different people like different solutions for it. But at the end of the day, I really feel like people care about the problems that you solve more than what you do. So that was long and drawn out because I am sometimes. But what do you think about that as a concept? Where do you stand with that? No, I, com I completely agree with that. I mean, we're in a, a symbiotic world where if you're not getting something from somebody, then that's not a real relationship. It's about the problem and the solution is a relationship. And this whole world is based on relationship. Mm, I like that extra stitch connection. It's like we already were sewing a quilt and you just put a cool fringe on it. It's only making it look better. I like it. So the the second question here is like what do you know about the 313 um what is your concept of it and in full transparency you know we we've, we've never met before we have a relationship online as you've engaged with some content but at the end of the day here when it comes to you and your knowledge of the 313 where are you at with it well i heard my friend peter peter something was on it and so I listened to it. I then subscribed to it. And then my friend Vicki O'Neill was on it. And I heard her before she even knew it was out. And I called her. I said, that was a great episode. And so I just had to get on it. I was like, I've got to do this too. This is awesome. I would love to clarify my message. And so I've been actually a pretty avid listener. And with my attention to detail, I've got it all on a spreadsheet sitting here in front of me, ready to go. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, that's exciting. Shout out to Peter for his uh, his massive reach into the World Wide Web as he seems to touch a lot of different connection points and bring a lot of people together. So glad to have you on board. Thanks again, Peter, for thinking to share this. And here we go. Now, the 313 stands for the deliverable. It's that at the end of the day, I can help you explain what you do in three sentences in one sentence and three words, hence the 313. So today, if your first time is right now listening to the show, it's kind of like a game show where there are certain parameters and certain quote unquote rules that we sort of step through and there's a lot of learning along the way, but also it's a chance to, to get to know Diana and the problem that she solves, what she does and, and who she does it for. So the first part of the show, we're gonna work on the three sentences. 
Now, admittedly, this is the most difficult because I am going to challenge Diana to take what she does and squish it down into its core elements, the problem she solves, her solution, and her target market. And they sound like easy questions because it's common sense. We have to know this, but it's not as easy and the rabbit hole goes deep. So Diana, I also need to warn you that I have in my hand a buzzer, which will alarm if uh, we do technically get one of these questions wrong and it's all in good spirit and I'm not trying to be mean. The buzzer is a very friendly buzzer, okay? Uh, I have never been in the hot seat before and it's already getting warm over here. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Since we agree that people care more about the problem we solve than what we do, because you admitted that and I believe it, there is value in just explaining the problem without any mention of what you do. And that's not easy. So can you state the problem that you solve in one sentence without any mention of what you do? And if you tell me what you do, or if you hint at what you do, I got a buzzer for you. Okay, so if you're ready, let's hear it. In one sentence, tell me the problem you solve, but don't tell me what you do. Ready, go. The problem is creating online courses can be confusing with so much conflicting information out there, which results in uncertainty, overwhelm, and the course never getting launched. Damn, you have been listening to the show, I can tell. So <laughs> good job. And, and what I liked is that you use the magic words results in, because typically what happens is that people, if they were to take the same, the same approach without results in, you would have listed like four or five problems. So I think that that is articulated well. It does seem a little verbose where you might look at those problems and maybe pick which, which of the results in might be the, the biggest problems. So you said it results in, so online courses are confusing because there's just so much information. And as a result, it does what? What are the three things that you listed? I listed uncertainty, overwhelm, and people never launching their course. Okay. And that's the, that's the result or the blood of the problem. And then the core problem you're saying is that it's just online courses are confusing? There's too much information out there and people, they want to create an online course. They start looking into it. They hit my YouTube channel or hit somebody else's information and they get analysis paralysis. They just get oh my gosh, what do I do? There's so many people and so much information and they get locked up. Yeah. So I, I like those good choice of words in there. Like they get locked up, the analysis of paralysis. I do think that too much information maybe isn't as strong as this paralysis or of analysis. There, there might be something in there because you could argue that there's too much information about a lot of stuff. Like if I'm right. trying to up my Instagram game, oh my God, there's so many different things to look at. So many different people, so many different experts. When it comes to personal branding, like there's so much information out there. And so my only fear, and again, I'm just trying to help polish this up. I'm not saying it's bad, but maybe there's something in there to help make it more of a defined problem. So too much information is a problem, but it's kind of like, yeah, we're in the age of the internet where there's just too much information for anything. Well, that's what, that's why I put the conflicting in front of it. Too much conflicting information. Oh, okay. So for some reason I didn't maybe pick that up. And this is a, another thing just for anybody to listen. You craft your sentence or your statements or what you say in a very particular way, but you have to realize the person who's listening to you might lose one word or, or a little bit here and there. And it still, it still is something that should stand on its own. So, so it's conflicting information. Yeah. You have probably a good top 10 course, online course platforms that are all trying to sell you their online course platform. And they're all giving you information as to why theirs is better. And the same with people who are teaching you how to create online courses, they're all telling you different ways to do it and why you have to do it their way. 
or it's not going to be successful. So you get a bunch of conflicting information. And just because one person says you have to do it one way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. There are other ways that you can do it if you don't feel comfortable doing it one way. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up to the conflicting information because my initial thought that it's just too much information was too general. So mm-hmm. conflicting information, which results in this overwhelm and not even getting out of the gates, right? Not even starting the course that you wanted to. That's the big problem is people get overwhelmed and they're, they get in that where they're trying to figure out how to do it and then they just never get launched because they don't know where to go. They get overwhelmed. I guarantee there is a number of people listening right now and they're like, damn, yes, that's me. I, I've wanted to start a course, but I don't know where to start. And I've had a lot of experience with creating courses and it's, it can be a nightmare. It's, it's a lot easier said than done. Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's, let's learn more about your solution. So if you had to explain your solution in one sentence, what would that look like? I guide my clients one-on-one to find a simple system that clears away uncertainty and helps them get their course launched. Okay. So my question is, does that solution solve the problem that you stated? The clears away uncertainty kind of goes with the conflicting information because it kind of goes with the uncertainty in the first one. Well, okay, so let's review. And, and again, again, this is just tough love. Like I'm, I'm challenging, yeah. we're digging in. It's not that it's bad. This is just, and you didn't even get a buzzer. Like, I mean, but the buzzer is on the table. I didn't even have it in my hand. I was like, I was just caught up in it. But if we look at your problem structure, mm-hmm. there's this problem, conflicting information, which results in da, 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 da. And your solution seems to be solving the, I don't know if I see that direct correlation with the conflicting information. Yeah, I think it was because the the uncertainty in the solution actually went with the results in uncertainty overwhelm. So I need to try to find something where the solution goes directly to the conflicting information. Well, um, and, and the reason why I get so particular about the solution clearly solving the problem is that if you're dealing with somebody that this is not their business, they, they want to do a course and you sell them on the fact that conflicting information is, is the real problem here. And mm-hmm. your solution should clearly match with that main problem. But let's go a little meta here because just as your structure is, the problem is conflicting information, which results in but up, but up, but up. And I'm just saying that because it, your main problem is a conflicting information. Your solution can follow a similar format saying, I have a one-on-one approach that takes all of the conflict out of the information to make sure that you are empowered, informed, and launch your course within six months or something. So do you see how there's like a parallel to the main, main problem that you have a main, main solution and the results in bloody aftermath of that problem, you can still use in your solution as, as a solution in that secondary spot. D- does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. The reason why I think that this is important for anybody listening is that in our minds, the solution is super simple. But when we say it, sometimes it comes across as complex. And so if you're looking at core messaging, here's the one problem. You, you got that problem? You admit that you have that problem? Okay, do you want to solve that problem anytime soon? Okay, great. I can help you out. <laughs> Here's exactly how I solve that problem. It's just, there's something about that, that just one equals one that I think intuitively makes a little bit more sense, a little bit quicker in somebody's mind. Okay. So, so look at, so, and, and again, I want to make sure that makes sense. And this is just my opinion. This is how I, how I see the world. And the goal is that if you can get them hooked, get them to identify with the problem, and they clearly see that the solution can solve it, then their mind opens up 
and they want to learn more. So it's this difference between saying what you do versus how you do what you do. So maybe just try to rephrase that so that you clearly are solving the conflicting information. And as a result of that, you're able to solve the results in as well. Okay, so I guide my clients one-on-one to find a simple solution in all that conflicting information to help them get their course launched. I think that's stronger just because it's, it's correlated between the main problem. Now, what's nice about working with a framework like this is that it's just like an internal combustion engine. If you have more load on one side or, or higher pressure somewhere else, it, yeah, yeah, you know, the energy has to spill out one way or the other. It's always a give and take. So let's say that you have somebody who you met and it's obvious to them that there is conflicting information, but mm-hmm. for them, maybe that's not the biggest problem. Maybe they are just confused or maybe they are just overwhelmed. And overwhelmed. If, you can, if you can sense that, you could say, look, is the problem that you're facing being overwhelmed with where to start? And if they say yes, you'd be like, I solve that problem with a one-on-one approach specifically so that you are not overwhelmed. I will put the blinders on and show you where to start. Right? So you can move these things around. The takeaway is that the one problem has the very clear one solution. Does that make sense? Correct. Yeah, I got it. So it can, it doesn't, and again, it doesn't have to be like, okay, there's my one sentence for the problem and it can never change. It's about knowing the elements and it's just really about communicating the one problem. So I am somebody who's built courses. I've, I've had successful courses. I've had unsuccessful courses. And your solution is intriguing because it sounds like you filter through all of the chaos. You make it simple. You help people start. Right. Naturally, my next thought, how the hell does this work? <laughs> right? Like, I want to know more. And so that's what you want. You want to give people just enough for them to understand, but not enough for them to know how it works. So tell me, like, how does this work? You've gotten me past the interest point. How does this process work? What does it look like? I take my clients by the hand and I guide them one-on-one with a simple solution that takes all that conflicting information, puts it away and helps them launch their course. Okay, that's still a bit surface level for me. You, you already got me at the surface. So like the, I've already bitten the bait. The, the little fishy fish is in my mouth, but the hook is, is still lingering. I'm still swimming with it. Like, okay. At, like you don't have to be on script for this, but like, how does it work? Like how does somebody work with you um, in a not general way, but like, okay, I've, I've got a course in my head. How does that work in working with you? So more like into the details, like, Usually I help them set up a strategy and we have regular calls to make sure they stay on that strategy and that they're following through the steps in case they hit any roadblocks, they can reach out to me and I help them get past the roadblocks. And it sounds like the strategy is the, the, is the magic sauce, right? The strategy is the magic sauce, but the strategy is also custom built after I talk to the person and see what they're, what they're making because Every strategy is going to be different depending on what your course is. And what are the components that go into, like, what do you need to know from somebody in order to develop a strategy? Well, is their course going to be in a text format? Do they want to make it in video? Are they going to be giving it internally to their employees? Are they going to be selling it? Are they going to be using it as a marketing tool to build their list? There's a lot of ways you can use a course and you need to know that before you set up your strategy because the most important thing with actually being successful with an online course is marketing it properly. Okay, and that, the, the most important thing is marketing it after the most important thing of actually building it, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you have, to, you have to have your steps in order. If you go out there and you say, oh, I wanna make a course and you dig down and you create three hours worth of video and you've got all these PDFs and you've got all these workbooks and then you just put it up on a learning management system and get on your your email list, say, hey, I launched a course. You didn't do your market research. You didn't do your build up and buzz. You didn't do any kind of testing ahead of time. 
You didn't make sure this is the course they want. Maybe you made it too big. Maybe people want something smaller in that niche. Maybe you made it too small. You didn't give them enough information. You might not have priced it right, depending on the amount of content and the market you're selling it to. So there's a lot of little points that are very important that you need to think through when you're setting up an online course to have it launched successfully. Now Diana showed up. If you, if you listen, if you, when you listen back to this, I want you to listen to this particular part because you just got so fired up. Like you were, you were in your moment. You weren't on a podcast. You weren't talking with me. You were literally like, you could feel the frustration of your past clients and, and all the mistakes that they've made. And it just sort of flowed out of you. Did you, did you feel the difference in the way that you explained that? Oh yeah. I, I, I can actually get really passionate about this and even when I get on a call with somebody, a prospective client, they're like, I want to make an online course and I want to do it in the next two weeks. And I'm like, well, what's your target market? Well, I want to sell this course that does this. Well, who are you selling it to? How many people are on your email list? You know, what buzz have you been starting with to build this up? Have you thought about doing a challenge? Have you thought about this? And I start digging in and they, they instantly are starting to go, well, I didn't think of any of that. And I'm like, well, we kind of need to think of that because otherwise, you know, you're just like, you, you might as well just go throw your computer in the lake because you're not selling it. <laughs> okay. And, and, and from a communication standpoint, what I want you to, to remember and to tap into is some of that same passion and, and natural flow when you're describing the problem that you solve and your solution. It's not only about what you say, but it's about how you say it. And in all fairness, I know that you just got uber prepared for the show. You have mm -hmm. it written down in a spreadsheet. But I do want to make sure that everybody understands you can have the perfect words chosen in the ideal order. And the way that you present it can be deflating or totally misrepresented because you say it too fast. Like there, there's so many elements with it. So there's right. something in your cadence, in your tone, in your melody. Like, you know, it, I'm sure your face created the context in that moment. And so it's not just the words we choose to use. It's, it's how we express them. So if we went back to your problem statement and you use that same kind of fired upness instead of just reading it, it'll be that much more powerful. When you explain your solution, it's that there, there's something about presenting it in a way that's like, yeah, this, this is exactly what I do. And so I just want you to realize how much more powerful that comes across when you're tapping into that, like that natural passion that you have. Yeah. I was, I was trying to read the problem, not hit your buzzwords. That was, <laughs> that was my goal. When I first started, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be uber prepared and I'm going to have the problem is, and I'm going to put results in and yep, yep. I'm going to nail the statement, and not get buzzed. So that was, no, and you that did it. That you, you, you hit the goal on the mark there, but after hearing you answer how it works reminded me that there is that service passion. You really want to help them out, but it's a little bit of tough love. And like you, you sort of smack them across the face and then give them a hug and be like, it's going to be okay. Right. That's kind of what yeah. I got. Yeah. And that comes from being a nurse, being a bartender, doing all kinds of service jobs in my life where I am your biggest cheerleader. I am going to raise you up. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to be there telling everybody, look what they did. Look what they did. That's what I do in Toastmasters too. I mentor people. I help them make great speeches. And I sit there and I get the biggest hit of joy when I see them stand up there and give a great speech. I'm like, yes, because awesome. that's just an awesome feeling to be able to help somebody do something like that or to build a course and get it launched. And suddenly they're out there and they've, they've got their course launched and they're helping people and they're growing their business. And I'm like, yes, I'm on the text. Yes, you did it. Congratulations. Woohoo. You know, let's celebrate. Yeah. And so I think a good takeaway here is tapping into that natural energy and passion you have to add a little bit of color and flavor to what you're saying. And the last thing I want to say before we move to this next step is when I asked you how it works, and I said, like, you know, really, like, what is the, what is the process? And, I'm, and I asked, I think, a second time. And then you're like, and you just went off, right? And you're yeah. like, bah, 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 bah. The challenge is that when somebody asks you what you do, 
is that you refrain from telling them how it works at first. Because if I said, so what do you do? And if you just went, and then just gave me this whole like barrage of everything, I'd be like, wow, I'm overwhelmed now. That, that yeah, sounds and, like a lot. And I actually have done that. I, 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 call, I call that a business vomit. You know, yes. somebody, somebody asked me at a networking event, what do you do? And I go, wow, and I just tell them all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, but so naturally we want to, cause we want to share the information. We want to serve them, but it just is a good example of one short high level sentence and then stopping so that when somebody wants to learn more and they ask you how it's an invitation to, to vomit. <laughs> just doesn't yeah. sound good, but, but, uh, <laughs> But if you're at a networking group and you go up to somebody and you say, what do, what do you do? And then they go off like that and they just start going, you kind of feel like, you know, they kind of just did that. They just kind yep. of vomited and you're like, can, can you like get away from me, please? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's really hard. Yeah, no, it is hard. And that's why this is a fun practice, challenge, opportunity, flex your muscles. And at the same time, we now know a lot about you. It reinforces your passion. It shows that there's a process behind it. It goes past the surface level, but you got to get us at the surface level and get us to want to go underground with you. All right, so here we go. The third part, and again, for people listening, we are working through the 313 challenge. The first three sentences, the problem you solve, your solution, and your market. That's still what we're working on to get those three sentences. So the last of these three sentences, what is your target market? And you are not allowed to use the A word or the E word. And if I hear either of those or something like it, you're going to get a, but that was a preemptive buzz just to, just to heighten the, the heat in your seat. Can you tell me your target market You know, in I one sentence? You, I think you just wanted to play with the buzzer, but okay. I know I get, you're, yeah, yeah, this is true. <laughs> you're, act, you're actually going to get me on this one. Cause I always get stuck on this part and I'm like, he's going to get me on this one. Okay. I work with course creators that are ready to get serious and commit to launching their online course. Okay, so I, I am gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, okay. And the reason why is actually not because of the you being specific, it actually doesn't match up with the problem. Because you, you literally said for people who are ready to go, but you didn't mention that are ready to go, but they're stuck, that they're ready to go, but they're confused, but they're ready to go, but they're overwhelmed. And so just as a baseline filter, it's super important that your target market clearly has the problem that you solve. So do you see what I'm saying there? Oh yeah. So I didn't, I didn't connect it back to the first ones. So yeah. it's like a checks and balances really, if you think about it, like is your problem something that your target market has and does your solution solve it right it's it's a nice checks and balances so i just it was disconnected because it didn't connect to the problem so i would work with course creators that are ready to get serious and commit to launching the course and fight that overwhelm no because no, you're, you're but here but here's the thing when people are ready to go like that's like it sounds like you've already worked with them so i think what would be more powerful is for for people who have a course that they want to create but are so that they, they have paralysis of analysis. They've wanted to create this course for over a year and they just can't seem to get past the starting line because there's so many different steps in the process. Like, and imagine if, if you had people lined up and they all were wanting to start courses, okay? Hypothetical situation. There's 10 people and the first person has been thinking about it for a month and the 10th person has been thinking about it for 10 months, right? So person two, two months, person three, three months, and all the way down the line, just as an example. Of those 10 people, who do you think is your target client? Is it somebody who's been after this unsuccessfully for a month or for 10 months or six months? What do you think? I think it's somebody who has, they've already got their stance on what they know. They want to create it they just haven't got out there and done it because digging into it has been so overwhelming for them. Right. But how many months have they been digging? What's your, what's uh, they, the ideal? They, they've probably been digging at least a year. Okay. So, so do you see the difference in that? 
The yeah. difference between saying, I'm looking for course creators who have been working on building a course unsuccessfully for at least a year. And they're at the point where they just don't know if it's worth it anymore. You're like, that's my person. You, right there. That's who I want. Right? Right. Because if somebody- get, I want to get people that are, that are passionate and understand, because making an online course is not easy. I've had people come in and they think it's like, hey, we can get this done in a couple of days. It's like, <laughs> that, that's not, not true. And then there are other people who come in, they're like, I've been thinking about making an online course. I want to but they don't have the fortitude to dig in because it's not an easy walk in the park. Usually by the time you go from start to launch, you're pretty much sick of your online course at that point because you've been working on it so hard. All right, so here, here's a time where I'm gonna push back a little bit and this is good for you, okay? Okay. The words that you just used there to sort of like defend your target market and that, that's a great way to look at it. You're like, no, no, this is my client, this is my client. You said that these are people that have found it, the process difficult, that they didn't, they thought it was going to be easier and that they've, they have no idea how long this process takes. In fact, it, the process itself could take so long. Now, yeah, if see, you think are, about it. Those are not my ideal clients because they come in with unreasonable expectations and they end up, you know, just walking away. The ones that I want to work with, my ideal clients understand that this is going to be a lot of work and are ready to make that commitment. They're ready to say, okay, I have decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Let's get going. Let's dig in. Okay. Because I, I was about to push back because the problem that you stated, here's checks and balances, yeah. is that there's conflicting information. Right. But as we're looking at the people who have this problem, when you're saying, I want to work with people who are passionate that's a little bit different right because mm -hmm. because you didn't mention about that they're passionate in the problem so you could go back and say when you are so passionate about creating a course but you are that much more overwhelmed at conflicting information on how to do it the problem is you won't actually start your course right so again and i'm getting very fine in particular here if I were to really like break down what I'm hearing, there's still a bit of mismatching because the problem is conflicting information online. But then you're also saying that people, even when they come to you based on the conflicting information, they still don't know how much time it's going to take. They don't realize that it's not going to be easy and they don't have the fortitude to do it. So nothing's wrong, but there's just these different things in my mind. It's like, do you help people make it easy? But not really yes. because, <laughs> well, you help them make it easy, but the, it still doesn't change the fact that it's going to be a hard process. It takes a long time. You still, you still have to have the, you still have to have the fortitude and the, I guess I would use the word dedication or even discipline because this okay. is, this is, this is like writing a book. You don't go in and say, Oh, I'm just going to write a book next week. You know, <laughs> you know that writing a book and everybody knows that writing a book is a long process. It takes a while and there's edits and stuff. It's the same type of thing with an online course. It's not a, oh, let's go and do it just because I saw on YouTube that I could make one in 60 minutes. Okay, you know? but, let me, but let, me, let me interrupt you for a second because the core concept that you were selling me on for the problem is that there's conflicting information. Right. Yet right now you're kind of digging into the fact that the problem is people don't have the fortitude to go through the, the rigor of creating a course, right? Those are kind of technically two different things. Right. That's true. Like I said, I was going to have a lot of trouble when I hit that target market <laughs> spot. Yeah. That's going to be, I, I flew through that first one, the second one pretty good, <laughs> but I knew I was going to get stuck right here. So, so here's a, here's a little cheat sheet is that you probably won't ever get it exactly right. But what you can do is use the 313 as a framework to get it right right now. So if you are sticking with this idea that the information is conflicting, then your target market, when you describe it, it can be for people who want to create courses and have spent almost or you know at least six months to a year trying to dig through all the conflicting information of what to do and they are stuck right, right? so it's not 
and, and here's the thing. When you are just being challenged by somebody like me to pull one thing off and lead with that or like really clearly define, it makes you by default, like get rid of all the other stuff. But I want you and everyone to know that you're just trying to spark the interest. You're trying to get their attention so that they want to learn more. And then you have a whole bag of tricks that you can bring up, you can reinforce, you can bring out there and get them to identify with. Well, that actually makes me kind of want to go back up to the main problem. And instead of focusing on conflicting information, go with the overwhelm. Because okay. that, that's more, it just seems more universal if you're saying, the problem is creating online courses can be extremely overwhelming and this can result in you never getting your course launched. Yep. Boom. Stop right there. It, but what's, what's cool is that you knew you were having a hard time with the target market. And a lot of us do myself included, because you have to really make a decision of who is not for you. And that's hard to, that's hard to kick people off your boat, but you've used that sort of aha to go back and tweak the problem. And I think that resonates. It is very overwhelming to build a course. Mm -hmm. And then if you get them convinced on that, for them, overwhelming might be the amount of time. For them, overwhelming might be some of this conflicting information. For them, they might just be overwhelmed at which learning management system to go on. And so I think that that could be a smart move to play that. Are you overwhelmed? Or you have a problem? Have you spent over a year trying to create your course and you're still overwhelmed? Yes. I can help you out, right? Correct. That's, okay. that's, that's where I, I shine. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. And we want you to shine. Okay. So we've really worked through a lot in understanding the problem you solve because you solve multiple problems, but it's which one do you lead with? That's the main takeaway. And then your solution and your market. And what I think is fascinating about this process and I am biased because this is my process and this is how I work with my clients, is that once you spend the time locking these types of very particular top of the pyramid messaging, you can then use it for your content strategy, for your marketing strategy, for your ad strategy, for your branding strategy. Your whole brand could now be built around the queen of overwhelm or the... Uh, I kind of jump into the three words, but it's like, if you decide that overwhelm is what you're really solving, then like your blogs can be about overwhelm. There can be a through line of overwhelm in your videos. Like there's, there's so much that can be packed into that. And when I work with somebody, getting this stuff locked in really lessens the stress for the rest of everything that they're doing. And now a word from our sponsors or sponsor, which is me. It's my show. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to take a moment here. You know, as Diane is talking about building a course and the challenges around that, there's an entirely other problem that comes once you have a course, and that's selling your course. And a big part of selling your course is selling yourself. And a big part of selling yourself is not really selling yourself. It's letting people get to know who you are so that they can get to like you and so they eventually trust you. And building a business is all about building trust. If you want to learn about how to build trust by building a personal brand, then grab a copy of my book, Ditch the Act. And if you are a business owner and you're looking to help support your employees through digital programming and workshops to help them become a better person, you can learn more about my eight-step brand building bootcamp at ryan.online. Okay, enough about me. Let's get back to the show and talk about the problems that Diana's solving. If you would like to go through this process in an in-depth, then definitely reach out to me because Diana, you can speak for yourself in even this short amount of time. Does this make you more excited about what you're doing and giving you some direction or is it confusing? <laughs> no, yes, it, it does, definitely. Like I said, my, my biggest problem was the target market and it's I, I think I've reworded it or I reworded it, but I didn't get it all written down correctly. But that that is definitely going to help. And that has been one of the sticking points was the problem I solved wasn't matching the target market. And I couldn't figure out how to get around that. Gotcha. Well, now you have the tools to do it. So I'm, I'm excited for you. Now, when we move to the, the next phase here and we put this all in one sentence, it's just mathematics. 
And so we won't spend a lot of time on it because you're still flushing out. And it, you can't put it all in one sentence if you haven't fully locked in the three sentences. Right. Because the one sentence is this, those three elements. I solve this problem for these people and here's how I do it, right? And right. once you put in that work, you can do it. But I do want to spend a minute or two on the three words. And it's not okay. really three words. In its purest form, it is. But in reality, it's just two things. You're comparing yourself using analogy and metaphor for what people actually know. So what comes to mind for me is like, I mean, I studied martial arts my whole life and you kind of, I kind of feel like you're a sensei, <laughs> you know, you're like, I respect your authority. You have the expertise, you have the black belt. I'm going to, I'm going to train with you. You're going to teach me the moves. Like there's all this association with a sensei and you could be like the sensei of online courses, like as an example of that. Now, I don't know if you have martial arts ties or if there's something else that comes to mind, but have you ever used metaphor or analogy to describe who you are, or what you do, that kind of thing? A little bit. I am constantly calling myself a geek. One of the things that I do is I do a lot of tutorials on YouTube and I make tech simple on YouTube. I take something really complex and I cut it down to where it's super simple for anybody to do. So I always kind of called myself an online course geek, but I also, with my service, like the idea of being an online course partner. So Okay. So that, that's, a, that's a tagline, right? Which yeah. is like the online geek. And so how do we, like, who is the, like, who's a geeky, well-known character that you can think of? Like a movie character or something that like is like super geek and super well-respected geek? Neo. Neo, okay. Neo from the Matrix, but I don't know if that sounds right. Uh, no, well, I mean, he is, but there's there's probably a lot more like world changing things that he might be associated with, essentially in that. But um, you could be the Neo of course creation. That's actually kind of cool, right? It's like this Matrix. You're in this weird dynamic. There's lots of conflict, and there's conflicting information, and and all these challenges. Um, yeah. You could also use meets. So it's like, think of me as where like a geek meets a content creator or a geek meets something. And there's, there's another way you can you compare that. Or you can even use had a baby with. Think of me as like if, if Neo had a baby with somebody, you know, like you, in somebody's mind, they can create the, that connection together. Got it. You could also play towards like larger figures of people who have been inspiring because it sounds like what a lot of you do is like inspiring. So it's, you're kind of like a coach for courses. You're kind of like, you know, maybe you're the Oprah of course creation or maybe you tie in with the Texas and, and something that's more like, you know, Lone Star State kind of thing. You're like, oh, I got it. The course whisperer. Okay, there you go. There you go. The course whisperer, right? I mean, that's even yeah. two, that's two words, right? That's actually kind of cool because people come up with their courses all disheveled, their ideas, and, and it's in pieces all over the place, and we whisper it back together. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing there. And I was thinking of the dog whisperer, right? That's the kind of quick brand halo that goes there. But the idea here is that once we really tease out you're the queen of, of overwhelm of, you know, the, maybe you're the, okay, what about this? You're the anecdote to overwhelm. I like that. Uh, and also it's an anecdote, right? Like with the pandemic, we're trying to come up with, what is it? Um, what's the name of the cure? No, it's the, um, oh, now you got me confused. It's the, it's the uh, inoculation. Inoculation or wait, vaccination. Vaccination. Vaccine. Yeah. So I'm going to use big words because I was a nurse. Okay. So <laughs> I am the inoculation of overwhelm. Think of me. Think of what I do as, as creating a, gosh, I'm looking, what is the, not the anecdote. What is the cure for pandemic? We need a, when you get, you get the shot and it, and it solves you of it. <laughs> Why am I not thinking of this? I know I'm not thinking of it either. We're like, everybody's looking for a cure. We're looking for a, like penicillin. It, it is a... And not, I always called it inoculation, but I know they call it something different in lay terms. A vaccine. A vaccine, vaccine right? Thank you. Yeah, there we go. 
So think of me as a vaccine for your overwhelm. Think of me as a vaccine for the stress of your course. Think of me as a vaccine. I am the inoculation of your frustration. Like, you know, like you can get savvy with it, but in those few words, because you're relating terms together, what it does is it gets people to think about it in their own mind that makes sense to them. Got it. Awesome. Well, hey, look at that. We, we brought you uh, along this way. There was a buzzer or two, and, and yes, just I won just because I wanted to hit it, but <laughs> I'm excited that you are a vaccine for course creators because the reality is that it can be uber overwhelming, so much that you don't even launch the course that you're so passionate about. But I have a friend, her name is Diana, and with a one-on-one -on -one approach, she inoculates the confusion and helps you focus on the hard work that it takes to create your course. Now, this is not for everyone. These are for people who have tried for months on end, and they have been so overwhelmed that they're considering giving up the whole idea. If that sounds like you, if that sounds like a problem that you have, meet my friend Diana Wilson. How's that sound? That sounds fantastic. Thanks. Thank you, Diana, for fighting your way through the 313 Challenge, just like your life's work of serving others. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another 313 Challenge. If you think you're up for the challenge yourself, I challenge you to visit ryan.online forward slash 313me to apply to be on the show. You can also keep up with every single 313 Challenge by subscribing on your favorite app, leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, of course, you can find the show on Good Pods and feel free to connect with me on social media. Until next time, keep it simple.